3: You're tuned to the Guard Frequency, and as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the Guard. This is episode 194, recorded on Friday, December 15th, and made available for download Tuesday, December 19th, over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Ken Shadow.
4: I'm
1: Jeff. And I'm Tony. And in the audio booth this week is Henry. Remember, folks,
3: while it may seem like we just talked to ourselves, this show is not a one-way conversation. Why not leave us a comment on the show's post over at GuardFrequency.com?
4: You can also hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak and leave a comment and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak or give us a piece of your mind over at Discord.GuardFrequency.com.
1: You can also use the contact form on our website and all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us are found in the show notes. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should come join us around 10 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency live over on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward guardfreak.
3: Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn Space Sim podcast ever? Please consider supporting this show and by visiting our website, clicking on that Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us with their subscriptions and hope that you'll consider joining them. Because the more support we can get, the better show we can make.
1: Hey everybody, as you may recall from last week, Patreon was monkeying around with their fee structures. Well, it turns off that enough of us complained, and loudly enough, that they called the whole thing off. So for now, we're going to keep the fee structures the way we are. We're still changing the rewards once we get some details literally ironed out with, uh, with some T-shirt ideas. Uh, and then we'll go from there. But thanks for sticking with us, and uh, come on back if you feel like it.
4: And don't forget about our sister productions. Priority One covers all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMOs, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at priorityonepodcast.com. And our latest endeavor, Heroes Rise, brings you up to date with the worlds of Dungeon and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets.
1: And the housekeeping is done, so let's get to the show. What do we have this week, Ken Shadow?
3: This week, we'll bring you all the latest news from the World space sims from the flight deck. Then we head into the deep black with Galactic Public Radio. This week, Commander Kinetic Impulsor teaches you Rooks a thing or two about flight configuration in Nuggets for Nuggets. Then we continue our audio adventure, Guard Frequency Origins, as our pilots make their first discoveries about their adversaries. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation.
1: Lace up your booties, campers, and let's head out to the flight deck. Speed 175, Port
5: Bay, hands-on
4: approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me.
1: Here are the top news bits from the world of Space Sims.
4: There's a new hour-long video from the dev team working on X4, chock-full of goodies from that title's progress towards release during 2018-ish. Rumor of a 1.4 patch for No
3: Man's Sky are circulating. Rumors originating with creator Sean Murray's Twitter account. So take that with a grain of salt. And an unofficial mod lets you add random shipping counters with famous sci-fi ships like the Millennium Falcon.
1: CIG and RSI have been sued by Crytek for infringement of intellectual property and breach of contract in United States federal court. So there's that.
4: And finally, the Thargoids have blown up three stations in the Pleiades sector. This coincides with the introduction of the new Thargoid variant, the Medusa, and with Frontier's developments rising over 55,000 pounds, that's 80 million cubits in the metric system, for the special effects charity. Although, we're not sure if any of those things are interrelated. Also, new chrome paint packs are on sale, and oh yeah, the long-awaited Type 10 Defender is almost ready for launch.
1: Alright, now I thought I'd leave this one up to the peanut gallery this week.
5: Yeah, because you're dying to talk about the legal stuff but everybody else wants to talk about Thargoids, right?
1: No, no. I'm going to leave it up to my intrepid band of co-hosts here. Which one we talk about? The one of the one la- Either one of the last two?
3: Well, still a little of both. I mean, like, the Star Citizen thing is interesting, but I don't think we really need to, like, go into too much depth on it, right?
5: Henry, what do you think about that? What do you think about Ken Shadow's plan? My vote is I'm dying to talk about Thargoids, man. Okay,
4: all right.
1: So Henry says Thargoids.
4: I'm dying to talk about RSI and CIG, and I think our listeners would also like to hear our thoughts on right. that all right. as well. All
1: right. Let me put a vote in for Ken Shadows' compromise because we'll, we'll hit the they'll hit the lawsuit thing briefly, um, cover some stuff, but I don't want to get too far into it because this is just the complaint. The and when you start a lawsuit, you get a complaint and then you get a response, and that's this is what one side says this is what the other side says, and and we see what we see what it is. So we'll hit it. We'll hit it briefly, spend a couple minutes on it, then we'll move on to the Thargoids. We'll break our brand new format, promise. Oh God, here we are just wrecking stuff left and right, three weeks into our new format. Uh, But it's probably, I think it's probably a big enough deal. So, Kinshaw, you started and I so rudely interrupted you, so so, take it away.
3: Okay, so the basics as far as I understand them, and again, you've read the brief, so please interrupt me if I'm wrong here. Uh, But the primary complaints here are that SIG had an exclusivity agreement with Crytek, they also had an agreement to show Crytek's logo, and they had an agreement for one and only one game, and they broke all of the, or, and there's 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 non-disclosure stuff too, but I think that's kind of uh, tangential. Uh, the the no-logo thing, when they switched to Lumberyard, they broke the both no-logo thing and the exclusivity thing they have to Crytek, and we don't know what the agreement really looks like, so I guess there's some vagueness in in exactly how that's defined, but... But uh, take that. So take all of that with a green of salt. And the third one is the only one game. And Sig announced Squadron Forty Two as a separate game before switching to Lumberyard, which means that they were creating a, a, two games under their, their original Crytek license. So, th- did I summarize that up? The the complaints. Yeah, yeah that... you
1: pretty much got it. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So there, and the reason why I don't want to get too far into it is because uh, as a crafty cagey lawyer person there are already some you know there are already some uh I'm not going to say loopholes but w- there's wiggle room and weasel room in the, in the in the complaint for one thing just because you haven't publicly declared that you changed engines doesn't mean you haven't already taken steps privately so that's one thing and the other thing is the definitions of terms in those contracts can be loose let's say, nonspecific. And the third thing is that while everything in uh, in the complaint, I'm sure, is true, it's only as true so far as it goes. We don't have the entire agreement in front of us. And things like early termination clauses and default clauses could come into play. I would expect, most of the time, a really good complaint would address a company's attempt to use a termination clause or a default trigger and, and then explain why it didn't work because that would be like, you know, you're going to hear from the defendant that they tried to get out of this thing, but here's why they suck and it didn't work. I would have ex- but that's a tactical choice. Not everybody would do that, and that's, you don't have to, it's not required. So um, there's a lot of stuff that hasn't come into play yet, and I, w- and I would expect that that would be addressed by CIG in their answer, which is supposedly due in 20 days after the filing of the complaint, but. Extensions are, are pretty frequent, so it might be a month or so before, a month or two before we see it. But more interesting to me is another one of the CIG own goals, which is traditional uh, in these situations. And they've already basically publicly said that they haven't been using CryEngine for a long time. So, since one of the major complaints in there is that you're only supposed to be using CryEngine, to have them come out and say in response to this lawsuit, cry hey, CryEngine, the hell's that? We haven't used that for a long time. That's like, so you're admitting that that part of the complaint is true. And if that's a major part of the of the license agreement, you just admitted you've breached the contract. And so now it is definitely on them to explain why that's okay. Right. Yeah, they wouldn't publicly admit that unless they, they had a
3: defense for why they did it, right? Like there's an exit well, clause I mean, in the contract or whatever the case may
1: be, right? Again, given my prior analyses of the disturbing frequency which with this company scores its scores goals on itself i hope that is the case that they've got a really good reason why they think they can come out come out and say that out loud in public again a termination clause would do it that'd be fine one fun Here's here's a fun thing. This is again. I'm not anybody's lawyer. This is for educational entertainment purposes only. For real legal opinions, get a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction. Okay. Now that I've said, that they could say, well, we we only are developing one Crytek game, and that's Squadron Forty Two. Now we've kind of shelved that for a while. You may have noticed that nothing's happened with it for a while. But that's our Cry Engine game, and we're, we haven't broken anything with that. We just haven't done anything with it for a while. Star Citizen, we switched that to Lumberyard like a long time ago. We just didn't tell anybody. And so we've been developing that with with Lumberyard. And so that whole multiple license thing, that's gone. All the stuff about non-disclosure and not updating the code with Crytek, well, that's all gone too. And that also takes care of the publicity. Because if they're not showing anything with Squadron 42, there's no reason to display the logo anymore. So that could be something they could try to claim. But then they have to prove that. And that, that could be tough. And the other thing in there that's got to be kind of pointed out is that Ortwin's been playing both sides of the field. He had prior relationships with Crytek. I think Crytek is trying to take Ortwin out so that he can't come in there and say, no, this is what this term means. Exclusivity means that, and this term means that. They're going to take him off the field. Well,
3: they could just, they could, he could just coach someone on those, on those aspects, though, right?
1: No, that's the thing. Because what, what they'll say is, did ortwin tell you to say that and they'll usually you could say well that's attorney client privilege and I you know I can't disclose discussions with my attorney except no you can because ortwin played both sides of the well, field so anything their lead he, he lawyer. told you I
3: mean like how if they're gonna use mm, an inter- not
1: anymore he's not well I mean if, if, not if, he's anymore, gonna, he's if they're not.
3: gonna use an internal lawyer they've all talked to ortwin at one point though
1: right but the, the, this is the thing with them bringing them up like this he's now a co-founder and a witness he's not a lawyer anymore because they're basically saying he's worked both sides of the field. And so that kind of makes that, that, that allegation. And it's, it's, not, it's complicated, and I'm, and I'm oversimplifying it greatly. There are so many nuances to this, it's not even funny. But I think that's where want, they want to go with That's where Crytek wants to go with it. They want all those conversations that Ortwin had with everybody to become admissible evidence. So that when, when he says, when I worked for Crytek, I thought exclusivity meant this. But when I worked with RSI, I thought exclusivity meant that. Oh really? You changed your mind? How, why is that? How, how convenient is that? And so I think they're trying to take Ortwin out of the out of the out of the game on this
3: one. So how do you how do you how do you, how do you as a as a lawyer how do you feel about Cretex current status?
1: Absolutely irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant. Well,
3: no, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that if they are nigh on bankrupt and no longer developing on the engine, do we think that that is possibly an exit clause for
1: Sig? Absolutely irrelevant. It's absolutely irrelevant. Couldn't
3: they
5: spin it that they're failing because uh, CIG failed to release the game that was supposed to promote their engine so well?
1: Sure, why not? Well,
3: it's not—it's not a failure to release, right? They can't blame SIG for for, for yeah, being behind the deadline.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely irrelevant. The termination clause might have a trigger like that. It might be if we don't—if we—if we don't take updates for a year, if the updates you're you're putting out don't help us at all. Like, you know, you don't, you're not, you're not iterating on the code in a manner that assists us. We don't have to use your engine anymore. You know, you're, you're forking the, you're forking your engine this way, but we needed it to go this way. So, you know, see, see you later. Hey, bygones are bygones. We'll go our separate ways. That's possible, but we don't have any evidence of that. There could be anything of a dozen triggers that could, that could make it happen, but unless it's relevant to the contract, don't care. It just doesn't matter. So, but and we'll, and we'll find these things out when CIG answers.
4: Well, the other thing is that this stuff happens in the game industry all the time. I, I remember sure. previous lawsuits between Crytek and uh, THQ or something like that. And a publisher they had when they did the, the crisis.
1: Yeah, and let's be clear, Crytek's looking for a payday. Yeah, I mean, that's, exactly. that's what they're looking for. That's it. I don't think it's in their best interest to shut the game down uh, if they think they can get a payday from it. The question is whether or not CIG is willing to give them the kind of payday they're looking for, or Crytek's willing to take the kind of payday CIG can afford to give them. Those are the questions. But we'll again, we'll find, we'll find that out. We'll find out more later. All right, all right. So, so huge amount of news out of Elite. What happened? Like tons. Something happened. A lot. Yes. Finally, the thing I've been asking for happened. But I'm not real keen on how, because because it's not like it's not like people that are hanging around these stations, like. Saw the thargoids warp in and like, you know, massively lay waste. Yeah, everything. but at least it's no, not it's built like server that. Erupting.
3: That had to happen. During I know, but I it. want it to be. What happened if you were on one of those stations when it happened? W- they the moved earthquake.
5: you to the nearest safe place. Plus, if you had uh, any modules or ships docked there, they got moved someplace safe. Also, that's lame. <laughs>
3: that's lame.
5: I'm glad I didn't lose stuff. Why is that lame? <laughs> you would be so mad if you lost your
1: clipper. You'd be like, oh, yeah. I lost my ship. That's terrible. That's lame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody who was docked there didn't think it was yeah. lame. I, th- I think they're probably He's pretty. Like, happy I wish with
3: they it. were all dead. I wish they all got blown up too. You should, you should, you should, you should log on and just be floating in space right next to where the space station. Go
1: play to be No there. Man's Sky. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you're Henry. You're, I mean, you're absolutely right, Henry. The game's not built that way, but I want it. I want them to overcome this hurdle. I want them to be able to do that next time. It seems to me like. Being there as it happened, even if it's only five or six commanders, even if it's only a few people in open at the time when they decide to pull the trigger on it, I I think it's big enough that they should really work on that. It's a big enough... Uh, you want you want some people to say I was there, I saw it. But what
3: would be better is if they if Thargoids attacked just lots of stations at random, right? And maybe they didn't blow them all up, but they they swoop in, right. did an attack run, and then took off, right? And then lots of people would be able to see the events, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, they, that could they could do that too. I, although I think for story reasons. They just announced, like, they had, like, a, an article the previous week that, uh, and we covered it, I think, in our Galactic Public Radio, Jeff announced, the Aegis Group has stations in just about every human-occupied system in the Pleiades. And then the Thargoids hit three of those stations just this week. So I think I think they're, for story reasons, I think they're establishing that pattern that it's, Thargoids are, uh, they, they, they've sniffed out what Aegis is doing and they're retaliating. Uh, in kind of surgical strikes.
5: It's interesting that it's a surgical strike because that shows that they have an understanding of the way society works and the way we're organized and the way we're working against them. Like a specific understanding of it.
1: Yeah. And that they're listening to Galactic Public Radio. The, yeah, absolutely. Can, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so I mean, they're they're, they're tuned into the Because
5: compare that to what we know about them. We don't know what their structures do. We don't know what those map rooms are for. We know next to nothing. But they know how to uh, specifically hit us Someplace important.
1: Yeah,
3: they've captured some commanders and integrated them Kerrigan style. Is that what we're saying? So that's oh
1: move. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, as, soon, as soon as we've got you know people, the plugs coming out of their head, uh, you know, jacked into that map room, then we'll know that that's exactly what's going on. Because they are they are stealing space uh, uh, escape escape pods. They're stealing escape pods from those wreckage zones. So. It's also
5: possible there's a human faction working with them. We got new paint jobs in the store that show I'm for the aliens or against the aliens. And uh, any of those, like, alien huggers that uh, might be leaking information, look at what just got blown up.
1: Way to go, guys. Way to be. Loving on the aliens. This is what you get.
3: (laughs) They could also have have, uh, brain bugs, right?
1: Sure. Sure, why not? I mean, uh, one... One sort of uh, forgotten storyline that's been under this under the game since probably close to the beginning is the outbreaks. There's been uh, like a, there's been rolling outbreaks all throughout human space, and only this one certain type of tea cures it or something. I don't I don't remember all the details of it. But early speculation was that well this is like the Thargoids' revenge, right? They're like messing with our metabolisms and uh, and and, bio zones and whatever. Uh, this is their this is their way to sort of infiltrate us. So I mean, why not? They could they could do that. Sci fi. They can do whatever the hell See, they want. I was
5: expecting something like that when they when they found the generation ship that had killed itself and gone crazy from receiving some transmission during the time when the guardians were yeah. being discovered, and we found out that their whole sure. civilizations had somehow just gone away, just killed you know been killed off instantly. I thought maybe there was some signal that was out there just making the guardians kill themselves off, doing the same thing with the generation ships. Maybe that was an attack from the thargoids, because um, it's it's not a biological weapon. It's in the same kind of spectrum, you know, as a biological weapon. Yeah. But it's uh, you know, it it'd be an alien way to do that. Um, I thought that kind of dangled and then fell off, and we didn't see anything else with that. I'm sure there's going to be some kind of biological warfare from them. There's got to be.
1: Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, this is the the brave new world, brand new beginning. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens with it.
5: In the meantime, doing those rescue missions is the first time I've actually felt urgency in Elite trying to do a mission, Yeah, because there's never been uh, a sense of get this done right now until this mission. Running uh, into that station when it's on fire and melting your ship, picking up passengers
1: and, and relaying them to the rescue... Man, that is really like heart pounding in VR. The heat mechanic in there is a nice yeah. touch because if you don't get in and get out fast, your ship can overheat. And, and you're ha- you're having to pop heat sinks while you're in there too, so it is like a built-in time limit. It was great to have to put together
5: a build that you've not had to use before. I, I loaded an anaconda yeah, with a bunch of cool heat too. sinks, car or uh, passenger cabins, and that was it. And carrying uh, like yeah. 120 people at a time
1: back and forth. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's that it. That you know, people complain about the whole community goal system and all that kind of thing, but the fact that you have to put together a new build and then go execute it, I think, I I think that's fun. I have a good time
5: with that. Yeah, Um, I'd like to make a tip though. Something I learned while I was uh, dealing with this: we've got these rescue ships, one large pad a piece. So remember not to linger on the pad, and remember even if you go in the hangar, you're still blocking the pad for somebody else. So if you're in a private group
1: or in Open mode. Make sure you get off the pad as soon as you drop your passengers. All right, well, now that we're all caught up with the latest space sim news, let's get caught up on space news with headlines from Galactic Public Radio.
4: Good evening from Galactic Public Radio on NCETH. I'm Spencer McDonough, and these are the top headlines from around the known galaxy. Devastating attacks have crippled three Aegis stations in the Pleiades sector, leaving hundreds dead and missing, and thousands stranded on board. For a report from the field, we will go to Brill Haxton at Oracle Station. Thanks, Spencer. I'm currently aboard the
2: Oracle, where a massive Thargoid attack has rendered the station largely inoperable and extremely dangerous to inhabitants. A massive evacuation operation is underway in a race against time to extract the survivors and get them to safety. A couple of hiccups have delayed those efforts, however. Reports of factional strife have surfaced, with some relief coordinators refusing to board refugees with commanders they felt weren't, quote, sufficiently aligned, unquote, within their factions. Also, a payment dispute with the commander of a beluga starliner locked up the only large size pad on the rescue megaship for the better part of a day. Local Pilots' Federation representatives have since remedied both situations, but when it comes to humanitarian missions in the deep black, the prevailing sentiment still appears to be, all for one, and mostly for me. From
4: Oracle Station, I'm Bro Haxton. Thank you, Brill. A new variant of Thargoid vessel has been identified. The Medusa Interceptor has been spotted with an escorting force of 96 Thargons and an unprecedented six regenerative hearts. Since the attack, no one from the Aegis Group has been able to grant an interview with Galactic Public Radio. But the reports from multiple sources point to confusion within the scientific community. No one is certain if the new variants are adaptations to the new weapons being deployed or simply more sophisticated vessels being brought to the front lines. Either way, the Medusa has warranted the creation of a new threat level. Commanders are urged to be cautious when they spot a non-human threat level 7. And finally, Lakon Spaceways has announced a partnership with the Lions to market a new ship, the Type 10 Defender. Based on the proven Type 9 chassis, the Type 10 will feature upgraded armor and additional weapon mounts. Other details, such as price and availability, are not available at this time. For Galactic Public Radio, I'm Spencer McDonough. Good night.
0: Your feet, Nuggets! Tin Hut! Officer on deck!
1: As you were, pilots. I'm Commander Kinetic Impulsor from Guard Frequency Response, here with the essential tips to get you around the deep black and back home again. Today I'm briefing you on flight configuration in Elite Dangerous. We've noticed some of your rooks having issues with this, so we scheduled some training. Flight configuration is just my way of referring to how you've set up your control interface to make your spaceship go zoom. And that can be the difference between your future as a glassy-eyed oxygen sink and a grease stain on my flight deck. A little bit of thought and practice with this technique can go a long way to maximizing your maneuverability in combat, as well as making your life easier with routine flight chores. In space, no one can hear you complain that there's no up-down, left-right, forward-backward that works in every reference frame. You are your own frame of reference with complete freedom in three dimensions of both translational and rotational movement. You control the horizontal, the vertical, and the, uh, the back and forthical. Shut up, Nuggets. You also control the traditional pitch, yaw, and roll postures of your craft, with no regard to anything else in space, except maybe the mail slot. We'll come back to that. If any of you rooks were counting on your fingers, that adds up to six degrees of freedom that are available to you in any combination, within the limits of your spacecraft's performance envelope. Your job as a crackerjack space cadet is to make sure you're willing and able to use all six of those dimensions. Most gravity well-dwellers can wrap their heads around three at most. Yaw, pitch, and back and forth. I said shut up, Nuggets!" They ignore roll, which is vital to keeping turreted weapons on target, and when combined with a radical pitch change, is almost always faster than using just yaw. And they ignore horizontal and vertical translation, vital for avoiding fixed weapons fire, and so, so helpful when docking manually. So, while three degrees of freedom is enough to get you around the deep black, mostly, you need to master the other three and add them to your flight habits. There are a couple ways to ensure that you do this. First, you could master the factory default control scheme on your ships. It's, um, it's perfectly fine. Just follow the software tutorial and there you go now most of you won't be satisfied with that plan so i have some thoughts and ideas for you if my particular solution doesn't work for you feel free to get creative and find your own groove but keep this critical notion in your head i need access to all six degrees at all times many pilots i know use a dual-handed control setup that does not involve a keyboard and pointer not that there's anything wrong with that i refer to you to my previous comments but my advice would be to set up one hand's control with rotational axes yaw, pitch, and roll, and the other hand's control with the translational axes horizontal, vertical, and the other one. Last time, nuggets! Stow it! You can modify your controls by hitting the Escape key on your keyboard, selecting Options, then Controls, and then looking for the Flight Control settings, which should be easy enough even for you lot. There are six of the first seven options. The ones we're talking about here are flight rotation and flight thrust. You'll notice, my nugget smartasses, that the configuration menu calls it forward and backward access, so it's not just me. Shut up. Once you're in the menu, choose your control interface inputs and set accordingly. You'll also notice that there are options to set up landing and alternate schemes. My advice, if you've got full control of your ship from the word go, you don't need other schemes. But your ship and your habits aren't really my concern, at least until you wind up as that grease stain on my deck I talked about earlier. After some practice and experience, that mail slot should be a walk in the park for you. The flight throttle option is there for us wise and experienced HOTUS flyers, as well as you nuggets with good taste and style. The miscellaneous menu contains treasures beyond comprehension and imagination, so maybe don't mess with it just yet, Rooks. In conclusion, take real control of your ship by finding and actually using all of your controls for all six degrees of freedom. They will keep you literally burning and turning when that sneaky starport exit jumps out at you from nowhere. Okay, boys and girls, pick up your Tinker Toys and change into your flight suits. Skids up in 10. See you in the deep black. Come
3: on, Mama's not going to save you today. Let's go. You want to fly or not? Let's kick the tires and light the
5: fires,
1: big daddy. walk out of the restroom area that's around the corner, and now you're basically just stood in the hallway hanging out. So, can we talk amongst ourselves,
5: or,
0: you know what I mean? Do we talk to each PJ? other at all, or are we just... No, this is strictly business. <laughs> just. So, what's everybody flying these days?
5: I'm hoping they're giving us a ship. I've got a piece of junk I
2: got here in. Yeah, mine's not that much better myself. Yeah, I'm, uh,
3: n- not as equipped
2: as I'd like to be. You're between ships right now?
3: <laughs> no, I have a ship, it's just
2: not the best. What about yourself, Red?
0: I've got I've got just a space hauler. I'm assuming I can actually start with one of those. Starting. Yes, that's fine. Yeah, space haulers are definitely a yeah a hauler. Ship. Yeah, I hope yeah, so because I've got one as
1: well. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's got a bit of a funny smell in the back, considering I usually haul bio waste. But speaking of a funny <laughs> smell, why are
5: we going out to check on? Uh, uh, they're They're sending us out to look at a narcotics hauler. Is that what I'm getting from this? Like, we're going out to see if they've been hauling and stashing drugs. I wonder what they're...
2: Suspected narcotics haulers.
5: Suspected. I just don't know if I understand the motivation behind this group. It's the first we've heard of them. Big fancy ship, people we don't know, um, kind of hiding things, going through customs. And now they're sending us to go find drugs. It's a
2: little fishy. Yeah, I kind of shoot a, a, an obvious glance towards Kin Shadow and say... I've got a feeling that some of us might have heard of the Black Swan Corporation before. Hey, man, I got no
5: problem smuggling. You know, my cousins run liquor, but I don't wanna. I don't wanna get involved in any kind of heavy narcotics.
3: Well, it's good money there.
0: Well, I was considering selling myself to Imperial slavery to figure out my life. I'm trying to avoid it. That's why I'm here. That's an extreme measure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see the way I roll my dice. <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as I glance at the fourth wall <laughs> yeah as, as Red
1: Barnes as Red Barnes says roll the dice the door to Valis' office opens up and she says and she kind of looks you guys all up and down with all of your gear and all that kind of stuff like a definite improvement gentlemen follow me and she takes you down one deck and then down another deck into sort of the middle of the ship where she opens up a door and inside is a very nicely appointed passenger compartment with six seats and she takes one and straps herself in says there are twelve jumps between here and Acellus Prime uh, we'll be taking off fairly shortly please gentlemen, avail yourselves of a seat hyperspace travel without the benefit of a restraint uh, restraint seat is a little bit nauseating as I'm sure you know mm-hmm. i go and
5: strap in I sit close to her, but not right next to her. I just want to be able to hear what she says. All
3: right, I, I, I want to pick a out seat of, at random and sit down. Yeah, I want. I There's only six. So.
2: Stay out of smell range of red. <laughs> so. Hey, I got
0: clean clothes on. I took a shower. Huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take more than one red. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, as you're all strapping in, uh, you hear the door open again, and Clev sort of clunks his way in there and takes the last uh, available seat, and sa- and looks over at Valis and says, "This may not go so badly." Kind of looks at him, and then looks over at Harper and says, "That guy can shoot." I just give a subtle nod back. And she uh, uh, she kind of looks at you guys up and down, and says, "Once the jump started, we may not be much for conver- I may not be much for conversation. Hyperspace always makes me a little nauseous, even when I am strapped in." Now's your last chance to ask any questions you have. I don't think I have any. No.
2: I mean, I've, I've, I'm full of questions, but I'm not going to ask any. Like, I'm just going to see how this pans out. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. You, you got your 40,000 credits uh, just sort of almost burning a hole in your not-quite pocket. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's still almost there. You can almost taste it. Okay. Oh, 12 jumps. Before, right.
2: before we do, uh, where's the bathroom? We're astronauts. Uh, out going the door, to the left. Yeah. To that <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I point at Red and say, he may do that, but... <laughs> no. no. Have you, see how much this costs.
0: They don't pay me extra to add to the load on the way. <laughs> <laughs> your, your typical flight suit does have a
1: limited elimination capability. It's but it's limited. You probably want to save that for when it when yeah. it actually when the facilities yeah, aren't there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah.
3: I try and put on an air of confidence, but uh, you know, without even rolling, it's probably obvious that I am not as comfortable as everyone.
1: All right. So you see the uh, kin shadow shifting in his seat a little bit these restraints are not exactly sitting on him as comfortably as the rest of you guys are. It's almost like it's almost like he doesn't fit. It's almost like it's almost like he's expecting them to be buckled differently. Sort of more around right. the, uh, around the wrists and feet maybe, you know? <laughs> no, 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 no. But That's just, good. you know, just, he's not, he's not, you know he's not at ease. He's not as at ease with the arrangements as maybe the rest of you guys are. All right. So a- after a few minutes, uh, presumably the facilities have been used. Uh, you hear a voice over the intercom announce, Standby for departure. All personnel secure for launch. Ship Landing, Landing gear d- retracts. Landing gear. You feel the what little gravity there was in the situation sort of get yeah, even lesser and lesser as you, as you float towards the middle of the station. And you feel a thrust in the back of your seat and presumably the ship is on its way. Uh, after a few moments you feel the first uh, sort of gut-wrenching twist as the hyper uh, hyperdrive engages. And a period of maneuvering as the as the ship uh, exits hyperspace near the sun, more maneuvering, attitude change, another jump. This happens twelve times, one after the other after the other. They are they are not wasting time with this. It is it is a pretty fast jump. Um, I want everybody to roll a. Let's do an athletics check. Everybody roll me an athletics.
0: Oh, for the love. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So I got a, a 7 plus 1. I have
2: a 2. Which is a but natural, you a is a natural one. 1. You rolled just a like 1. Just like me. I rolled a just 1. Just
1: like Justin. So, Lennon, you are, you know, you've, 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 you've been on the run before, right? You've had to make those quick series of jumps before. It ain't your first rodeo. You you hold it together. You're doing alright. Henry, you recently had a little bit of a run-in. It's not, It this is familiar to you. You've managed to kind of get your space legs on this a little bit. You are a little queasy, but you, you know, you turn green. And Clev kind of looks at you like, <clears throat> but you're you're all right. I spent a karma point.
0: <laughs> okay, okay,
1: okay. <laughs> Justin spends a karma point. Justin spends a karma <laughs> point. Oh, all right, all right. Okay. There you go. All right. Justin, you had, you, you didn't, not much drink went down, mostly went on, but whatever you had in your stomach makes it all the way to the top and you f- just just you grit, you grit your teeth and you're like I will not, I will not, I will not. And you 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 gut it out. You're fine. Sarah,
3: is there a, is there a barf spend- bag on the back of the seat or anything like
1: that? Yeah. <laughs> so so do you want to spend a karma you roll a natural one. You roll a natural one, you automatically can it's like a thing you can do. You can spend a karma point if you want to. If you want to spend a karma point to re-roll. I'll let you. Or you can take the consequences either way is fine. Save your karma for for combat and whatever. Let's
3: let's let's see let's see where this goes.
1: So, all right. So so on the other hand, the your bile kin shadow. This is completely outside of your experience. This is that, that rapid jump succession is just you are not prepared for this at all. It is not a thing that's in your wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. I want you to roll a perception check for me now. Uh I'm,
3: all right. Yep. Yeah. I rolled a, s- I got a seven.
1: All right. So you rolled a
3: seven. I rolled a six. Right. Six plus one, seven.
1: Six plus one, seven. All right. So you do in fact notice, at the very last second, in the armrest of your restraint couch, is in fact what looks like a vomit receptacle, a barf right. bag, in the parlance of of, of travel. Uh, so you 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 do. Uh, I'm not gonna make you roll again. You you su- you successfully catch uh <laughs> is it like a vacuum that expensive tube, expensive, like sco- a bag or it's just it's just a bag it's a good old just a good old-fashioned bag okay. these are hardcore space guys right i mean you know this is like you know they the sort of minimum standards people expect <laughs> so it's just a bag All so right. you just you, you you that expensive expensive wonderful scotch you just had uh to know it no longer no longer resides within you that tastes good All coming right.
3: back up huh
1: yeah, it uh, probably did not. And Clev, <laughs> chuckling, Clev chuckled a little bit at Shiv. He started laughing at Henry, but then kind of like, kind of gave him a wink, like, there you go, buddy, there you go. And he just busts out laughing at you. He just is just roaring. This guy is a funny guy. I told you he's a funny guy. Look at this. <laughs> you guys are kind of screwed probably, yeah? <laughs> so.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I try and put it as much... Uh, confidence as a man vomiting into an airline <laughs> bag can <you> put on.
1: <laughs> so you are in zero g, but the the force of the of the, contra- you the know, gets, it makes it just it, it's all in there. It, it gets in there. There's not a humongous mess. You have vomited in space before. You're an sure. experienced <laughs> space traveler. Just this particular experience was outside of your realm of. of, of it's like of, the ship of, is of, too uh, smooth. You
2: know, used to a bit of rough and bumping and. this,
1: was <laughs> um, just like... this it's it's the ra- it's the rapid it's the rapid uh, g-force changes mm-hmm. as the orientation and it's the it's just the hyperspace jumps one after another after another after another just got to him. So and then but all. Is, the moment has now passed, as has his lunch or breakfast or whatever it was he'd had. Uh, so we are now uh, in uh, the Acellus Primus system. And you hear it come over to the intercom, uh, course laid in for Acellus Primus 2. Super cruise. And after a little while, you start to feel the pull of gravity underneath you. Um, and not so much the lateral acceleration of a ship moving, but uh, the planetary gravitation of a, of a small moon as you come in and land at Baker's Prospect. You hear the magnetic clamps grab onto the cutter's landing gear. You hear the the vibration. You feel the vibration of the of the, of the, of the ship being pulled down into the hangar bay. And then you hear, and then you hear the clang as uh, as the uh, bay is pressurized around the ship. Vallis and Clev uh, both undo their restraints. I assume you all follow suit. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Gingerly. <laughs> Ginger clev says. I will take this from you. I will take this. You are a hilarious guy. He, 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 <laughs> re, he relieves you of your... Thank you, Thank you. And, it, and it, for you and the time. Come back. We fill you back up with this stuff from Valis's bar. I know the better stuff. You got the cheap stuff. I get you the better stuff.
3: Yeah. And that's that's what it was. It was the cheap stuff that made me do
1: that. And, yeah. Okay, sure. Roll a bluff check. <laughs> if you want. Yeah. <laughs> See if you can bluff him. See if you can what bluff is, him.
3: Uh, okay. Go
1: for I it. got a nine. Yeah. Hey, he goes. Oh, okay. Well, you know, happens to people. It's okay. But you'll, know, but better next time. Better yeah, just next to make time. used to the expensive things
3: in life. That's what we gotta do, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Okay, you'll, you'll, you be good. Hopefully, you'll not die. And I see you later. Okay, yeah, bye, bye. Yeah, Thank you,
3: clapped. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. So you follow uh down, uh, back to the original uh, door that you came in. And you wait for her to, a key in her code, door opens, and on the other side of the door you see another woman pulling a, uh, a cart, uh, basically like a manual pull cart with what looks like the remnants of a black box. Um, all of you have been around spaceships enough to know what a black box looks like, and this one looks like it's seen better days. And Valis looks at the newcomer, who's another female, taller than Valis, much taller than Vallis, and says to her, is that from the ship? And the other one replies, "Yeah, it's mangled, but I might be able to get something something out of it." And she goes, "Let me know as soon as you can." And then Valois walks down the ramp.
3: "What did the what did the mangling on the box look like? Like weapons fire?"
1: "Uh, roll a repair check." Oh. You guys can all that's roll
3: something I actually have points at.
1: Okay, good. Well, you can all actually everybody can roll repair checks if I got a you want 10. to cuz I rolled a Saturday 14. Year. Mm. All right. Yeah, we all rolled pretty good. Henry, have you rolled yet? The anti-me. A natural 10 for for Lennon. Lennon knows all. Yep.
2: I just feel I should point out, one, I'm wasting all of my 10s. Two, it just so happens that every skill that we've tried so far happens to be something I'm trained in, so as soon as we get outside into the real world or into the real space, (laughs) that's when it's all going to go to the spot.
1: You guys have been, like, there's been enough of this sort of, like, making stuff up stuff that I've had to kind of, like off-the-cuff do with you guys that we haven't even gotten to combat yet, so, I mean, yeah. Lennon has the uh, submachine gun, but mm-hmm. may not be And good. he did actually um, do
5: combat with some paper with that, so there was combat.
1: Yeah, oh, that's yeah. true. That's right. He, he vanquished the paper. Absolutely. Um, Alright, so, uh, and Henry rolled a 12. So, all you guys are, look at this, and you've, all of you have been an, around enough space tragedy before to recognize that this is this is the black box of a ship that was destroyed. It's not like somebody like removed it for testing or anything. It's scarred, it's battered, there's uh, debris and shrapnel uh, embedded in various parts of it. Uh, The interface itself where people would sort of plug it in is like completely covered with debris and scoring. It's like you can't just plug it in anymore. So this thing uh, is is wrecked pretty good.
3: Nothing obvious that's a laser burn or something like that. It could be any kind of explosion though, right?
1: Yeah, there's no. There's, it's not like somebody shot the the black box. No, that's not what happened. It was part of a larger catastrophe, one that sure. you know took. It, was the was the final act of the ship. Goodbye, sir. Yeah,
5: Could have done. still been weapons fire. We just don't know that right now.
1: Uh, yeah, um, and Lennon, with yeah. your role, mm-hmm. with your role. Oh, bonuses! You, you have of actually. 10. Yeah, with the Natural 10. With Lennon's roll, this is... Let's do... Uh, I'm going to do it this way. Lennon, with your roll of the Natural 10, this actually is the same model of Black Box that was on uh, on one of your ships mm-hmm. that was had been wrecked in the past. Yeah. You know, th- this is the same... You have not only seen this model before, but you have actually sort of brought one of these back from the dead before. Right. Not to the extent that this one is, but this one... But this is... You're... You're... You're on your turf with this thing. Yeah, um, and you, so I and tend you know, to,
2: it. I turn to Valis. Was this from the Aurora? She says, "No, this is from the ship that found the Aurora." Sorry, that's what I meant. Is this from the ship that found the Aurora? Um, what was it's from that the ship's ship name, found the by Aurora. the way? I don't think we ever
1: heard. We don't know. That's one of our problems. And she get, and she gestures to the gestures to it. We were able to make a partial recovery, but much of the data has not been recovered yet. We were able to locate the ship's last coordinates prior to its jump. That was something we were able to extract from our preliminary report, so we know where it came from. We know where, where the location of the Aurora should be. But other than that, we're going to have to wait for an
2: analysis. Sure. Okay, well, we've got a mission to do, but if you haven't done that by the time we get back, I'll take a look at that
1: for you. Why do you ask now? I've you didn't ask
2: that before. I've seen one of these before. That's all. This, this exact model. I she, just know my way around it. And if it was from the Aurora... You watch the
1: two women exchange a glance mm-hmm. at each other. Okay. Mr. Uh, Harper, this is Rochelle. Rochelle. Rochelle is our resident computer expert. She had given me an estimate of four to five hours before she was able to get around the insides of this. How long would it take you to get into the inside of this? <laughs> sort of out of character here? What would... Like, is that a reasonable... You, would I this that that this a reasonable is like... Time? You've you've already done this before. This is like, this sure. this is like oh yeah. This is, this is what I did a couple. This is, no no no. This is, I had to do this like a couple months ago or you know yeah. or a, few, a couple years ago. It's it's this model, and I know where there's like this backup jack in the sure. like under this. Pa- I mean, you you rolled a natural tent. Yep. You know, it's like, um Find me a crowbar.
2: Yep. <laughs> uh, so I tend tend to Richelle and kind of address the two of them, probably a bit quicker than that. Uh, I've done one of these recently, so yeah. I mean, if you've got a terminal nearby and we can spare,
1: Rochelle pulls out a. Uh, Rochelle pulls out a terminal and mm-hmm. says, "This will just help you. All we know is the location. We don't know anything about what happened. Okay. And the more you guys find out here, the more prepared you'll be for whatever's out there. All right. So
2: um, I sort of turn to the rest of the uh, the group that's with us and say. Okay, we've all got different backgrounds, different skill sets. That's probably why we've all been put together. I can't think of every question. So if you guys want to know anything from this, let me know and I'll see if I can extract it.
1: All right. So you plug the terminal in, start working your map. You find, you find that backup jack uh, in the guts of the thing. Plug the terminal in, start working on it. I want you to roll a computer check for me. Uh, see, so now, before, and just
2: before I actually roll this, I'm just going to say, guys, yes. I'm sorry in advance because I've wasted all my 10s.
1: So, (laughs) (laughs) Now, well, so you, but you guys are all, hang on a second, actually, let's do this too. You guys are all huddled around, right? So I will let, uh, I will let everybody roll a computer check because Lennon has already invited you all to sort of like help out. Lennon, Lennon knew where, Lennon knew where to put the chalk mark. You guys have to now have to figure out what's underneath the chalk mark, what's there. You have to figure out what's, what's going on underneath it. So I'll let you guys all roll a
0: computer check. Yeah, roll a seven.
1: Four plus two, Seven. so it's a six.
3: Uh, Shiv, Shiv, are you, are you adding your, your baseline stuff to it? Is oh,
0: it... eight. I forgot. I get... Okay, eight. I yeah, get mine's a
1: six, w- plus one. as is Linens, it looks like.
0: As is Ales, uh, so...
1: Yes. Well, believe it or not, it's all good old Red Barnes that kind of comes through. You go. He's, he's, had, he's had enough of... He's been around faulty equipment before and things not quite working right. He knows a couple tricks to get things back up to snuff. And good old Red Barnes uh, is able to get you uh, some uh, some information. For example, this was from an Imperial Courier spaceship. So I want everybody now to roll a, a start a, a, a spaceship piloting check on that.
3: I got I got, a, I got a five. I don't even know what the hell I'm going.
1: Five. Six. What else we got?
3: It's a spaceship.
1: What's that? Eleven. <laughs> eleven <Spaceship. laughs> <Spaceship. laughs> with an eleven. All right. Eleven went from Henry. Okay. Uh, Lenin, uh, uh, so Harper and Al kind of exchange looks as soon as Red Barn says Imperial Courier, and you look at each other like, that's an expensive, fast ship like this one we're on. This is, this is not, this is not the sort of ship that just gets jumped, and blown up. Uh, it should have been either able to run away or outclass most of the stuff that's running around a a system that is largely full of rookies. This is the rookie system. It's got no business being near a gas giant in the rookie system because there's just nothing here. And if it did get into trouble, it should have been able to run. Uh, Maybe it was
5: there looking for the ship it found
1: specifically instead of stumbling upon it. Yeah. All right. So you also discover that the pilot's name was Richard Yin. The craft was registered to a Richard Yin. Mm-hmm. and because Red Barnes has been around the block time or two, you're able to get his pilot's record off of the thing, too, and you find out...
0: Comes handy working out in the uh, docking base. You learn some
1: things. <laughs> you learn
2: things. Uh, I just thought it was because this the ship that it belonged to was just a big pile of excrement, but
1: there you go. It's
0: I can put up with crappy jokes all day long, because hey. I make them, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so, and you also find out that Richard Yin... Uh, once had a record for narcotics smuggling, tricky dicky. That was cleared off via the Interstellar Factors system, which is a sort of remote bounty cleaning service. It's a little gray, but people tolerate it because the fines get paid and the records get cleared. So um, you find that that he had, active, had activity through them. Yes. Sure.
2: I was going to say, um, is it possible to check if a bounty has been recently claimed
1: for him? Yes. Why don't you roll a? Um... No, I'm gonna let you just have that one. Uh, you asked. To, you asked Valis. You asked Vallas. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. And she pulls up on her hand comm, which is connected to the main computer of the of the ship, and she says there is neither a bounty on Mister Yin nor one of uh, one been claimed. Okay. And then, as uh, as uh, Red Barnes is further indulging himself in his little thing, he actually finds flight recorder data from the last battle that took place. And you learn that it was interdicted by an Eagle Mark II and a pair of Sidewinders. Hmm. Now he was not able to get scans of them, so you can't—you don't have any IDs on them. But you know there—it was an Eagle Mark II and a pair of Sidewinders.
2: These are like—they shouldn't have been able to take out an Imperial Courier. That's right? what I was thinking. Yeah,
1: that's with you guys with your high rolls. You're like <laughs> maybe yeah. Mr.
3: Uh, Mr. Dick Yen was sampling the goods, huh?
0: Yeah, well, not maybe, flying maybe, straight. Maybe anything's possible. Maybe maybe he's going undercover, making it look like he got blown away. Of course, it's a waste of fish. Maybe nice he shit. was in
3: the middle of the uh, of extracting something from the salvage when he uh, got mm-hmm. hit. Here's a
5: question: so, If the ship that was found was probably smuggling something, and a smuggler found it, I wonder if he had taken anything that was found on the ship with him, and then these ships that knocked, that blew him up might have gotten. Um, whatever he'd have taken, because if he's a smuggler and he found something on that ship, he's probably not going to leave it there. That's a very good point, actually. It would probably be worth checking. Uh... Is there a record of what he found, maybe in the
1: black box? Can we check? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, uh, Shiv, why don't you roll? Uh,
0: I want I, I want new. I
1: want a new roll, and I want just from Shiv because Shiv's like all oh, he's he's in there. He's in there doing it. Give me another computer roll. We got lucky last time. Boop
0: boop boop boop, boop seven.
1: Okay, so. <laughs> Seven. Uh, Shiv was able to find that actually the uh, the Sidewinder had no cargo bays installed, so there wasn't any place to put any significant amounts of salvage. Now it was narcotics, obviously, so he could like stuffed a bag full of something somewhere. Is but the Sidewinder, or the Cutter. Car- no, the, the the courier, the courier, because you're you you're you're scanning the the black box, of the
0: courier. Right. So you, you said sidewinder, so I was confused.
1: Oh, I apologize, I apologize. So the, the 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 courier had no cargo bay installed, so he couldn't have taken any significant amount with him. He could have taken like samples, like for personal use, but a On Type Seven, which is a substantial hauler of stuff, would have like you know hundreds, of, you know maybe a couple of hundred of cargo units available to it the courier had nothing so
2: whatever might have been there is probably still there well unless the eagle and sidewinders have made off with whatever was there
5: they couldn't take much either if they were if we're talking about a type 7 you know there's tons of cargo space versus maybe 16 units and two sidewinders
3: or unless the real cargo was information of some sort. Hmm.
2: Look at looking at the black box, uh, Red. Are you able to find out if they, if the uh, Imperial carrier sent any sort of transmission prior to being destroyed? Did it squawk seven seven
1: zero zero? Did it call for help? Yeah. Did it call for help? <laughs> uh, the communication logs here are fried, but you asked Tavalis the same question yeah. as far as bounties, you know, because she was able to do bounties. Yeah, and she said. No distress calls were logged in this area. Any escape pod
0: info? Did he eject? and maybe get picked up? When you ask
1: this question, roll. I want you to roll an insight check. Am
0: I looking for a lie? Because that gives me. A you are looking. You are looking
1: for insight, insight. Mr. Right. Mr. The Chivalry insight. Bean. You're looking for insight, Mr. Barnes. I want you to. I want you to be insightful.
0: Unfortunately, I only have a 39 out of 40. You roll this
1: thing and let's see what happens. Because there's no, there's oh, another for feature. The... There...
0: We have nine karma
1: now. <laughs> okay, all right. So we don't have to do that other feature because you can automatically spend a karma point to re-roll this one if you want. All right, 11. Okay, that's much better. All right, so as you ask, was there an ejection or, or any kind of recovery? A look passes between um, Rochelle and Valis, and Vallis says, they've already seen us with the black box. And Valis kind of shakes her head like, yeah, okay. And she goes, gentlemen... We are skating on treacherous legal ice here. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind?
0: We're all So let's just be friendly.
1: Some say when he makes fruitcakes, they're denser than neutronium, and that they make a great substitute for Kevlar. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he will put together this week's feedback after faking his demise. Don't tell the assassin they don't know yet. And a recap of last week's community question.
0: What do you think about the proposed changes to engineers in Elite Dangerous? Shiv wrote in and says, I hope I don't have to max out an item before I can move to the next level. Meaning even if I have to progress through each level, if I've otherwise unlocked max reputation, I only have to make one of each lower level before moving to the next. In the meantime, I'm at least trying to unlock all the engineers and doing some level of engineering in the process.
4: In general feedback, Eleanor Rebel writes in and says, Good show. I'm a Trek fan. I've listened to P1 a couple of times in the past, but sorry it didn't stick. I don't play, STO, etc. And in the current movies, and are Matt at best, STB's bad guy was an idiot beyond reason and I actually think the Orbital is a better Trek show than Discovery. (laughs) I almost have to agree. Speaking as
1: the priority (laughs) one representative here, I'm not going to disagree with really much of anything you said there.
3: Ken from Chicago writes in and says, the feedbacker summed it up. The cast being more relaxed has made hashtag guard frequency a better, more enjoyable show. And then three clappy hands emotes.
2: Sean Newboy writes in, wonderful show everyone, lasers, bullets, and jams, oh my. Jonathan Hurley says, great stuff guys, would love for you to extend your tabletop adventure to the Star Citizen universe at some point, and apparently Shiv has already called dibs on DMing the GF origins in the Star Citizen universe when we run it.
0: Rex Gray writes in, really enjoyed the show guys. Good thing you got those ones out of the way before getting to your ship. There's lots of embarrassing buttons in the cockpit to bump. Jettison cargo, boost in station, dump core. Of course, that makes things more fun for the DM.
4: And Turkish German writes in and says, Love the new format. Thanks for your time and effort providing entertainment for us each week. We try so hard to do that. Totally agree with the Star Trek
5: feedback. I meant about the Orville being awesome. I did like Discovery. I do like that, but the Orville is great. The
4: Orville is a great show. Seth really nailed it on the head with this one.
3: I enjoy all the sci-fi shows, and I will watch all the sci-fi shows. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not biased in any way. I, I will enjoy them for their own own merits.
1: I, I agree, but if we were to rank them on scale, I do, I do, I relax when I watch the Orville, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's, it's like I just, I, I'm not antsy about it. Discovery, I'm kind of antsy. It about feels it. next gen.
5: It feels very next gen in that laid back yep. kind of watch and now shows are so tense and have to keep yeah. you know keep the momentum yeah. going so bad you you're never going to go back and watch one episode of discovery because it's going to be in the middle of Big some up. arc but with things like the orville you can go back and watch one and that's why we're still going back and watching original epi- episodes of the original series and next gen you know all these years later because you can go back and watch the one you want yep. And you don't have to sit through thresholds. (laughs) That's not going to happen with Discovery. It's not going to happen with The Walking Dead. It's not going to happen. It'll happen with the Orville. So thank
2: you, Seth. I also find that the Orville is actually... A fantastic gateway to Star Trek, because if you get people who are not necessarily interested in the uh, the more uh, straight sci-fi, introduce them to the Orville. It's a light comedy show. They get picked up on the sci-fi side of it, and then introduce them to TNG, and they find that transition a heck of a lot easier. Uh, basically, because of the Orville, my wife is now watching Star Trek. So that's just a bonus.
5: Yay! Uh, can I oh, can I just congrats. say something really quick? Yeah. Lenin, you just got married, is that uh, correct?
2: About six months ago now, I think I should know that. And she was not watching Star Trek at that point. No, she was not, and but she, and you know, she you was still getting got married. It. Yeah, but, I know, but she okay. she got the worst idea though. So right. it's
3: <laughs> so so. I'm gonna say the same thing actually about Discovery. Like my, I tried to get my kids to watch Star Trek Next Generation shows, like the the series with me, and they just would not have it. They just kept falling asleep. But we started watching Discovery as a family, actually, because, you know, it's super high-action-packed and stuff like that, and they enjoyed it. And then uh, I started firing up Voyager and Enterprise, and and they they like those shows enough that they'll stick around and watch an episode.
5: Nice.
2: Yay for more Trek fans. Yes, exactly.
5: One more thing about feedback. Uh, People said they want to see a Star Citizen version of this. Already covered that that was the original intent. So, yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, But it's cool that somebody mentioned that in the
4: uh, feedback, too. Our new Patreon, rising death returns after Patreon announced their changes are not going to happen, apologizing, admitting that they were wrong, and promising to take the community on the whole into account before doing anything. Hopefully, they're getting feedback first. If you've canceled your pledge, you're welcome to return. Or if you don't trust Patreon, we may have additional options available in the future. And if you're owed a patch, but it hasn't been sent yet, Shiv has your details and you should still receive it. If you've stuck around, we thank you. Our random winner this week is Druid. And this week's community question. What do you think about the new Thargoid
1: attacks on the stations? Are you uh, participating in the rescue operations? And otherwise, that was the show. Are you going to sue us for infringement of intellectual existence? Uh, or are we in breach of good taste and etiquette? Chicken people. Drop <laughs> us an email, a tweet, or a comment on our show posts, which you can find on our website and over on our Facebook page.
4: And that brings us to the end of episode 194 of Guard Frequency, our last show of 2017. We'll be back with episode 195 on January 2nd of 2018. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We want
1: to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Ben Sanders, and of course, our audio engineers, Mikey and Lennon.
3: Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkies for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkeys.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely.
0: Reduce thrust.
1: Time to three three zero car one five. Squawk seven seven zero zero. Stay on the ground. Cool, that's good enough. Intro three. A two Uh,
3: one second. Let me just check my levels. Uh, turning Please up my Please stand by again. as Kinshadow. turn up a little it bit of again cause my waves are too small. This week, Commandic. This week, Commander Kinetic Bolser ditches you to. Damn it! Sorry, we got through most of it, but I'm gonna screw up here, it's so okay. we have a better show the rest of the show. <clears throat> it's
1: okay.
5: Vote No Man's Sky.
1: <laughs> jeff you offer no man's sky this week is that what you say no absolutely oh, okay. <laughs> there should no, be. No,
4: no man's sky no, no there, 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 should be. Be, there should be no discussion about no more sky
5: <laughs> but they're so, having a patch there's a patch i don't give they're a shit p- f- <laughs> it is. It's a river in the patch. <laughs> Does
3: she want to fight that fight that millennium falcon
4: okay no can, can we actually get a joke we can get? <laughs> no. It's Do a serial. Do we need serial. to in every tradition? Come on. <laughs> no, yeah. And besides, this is a serial <laughs> yeah, thing we're I doing like serialized about, I storytelling. I complain about it about the, about the same time every week. So, that, stop
0: that, it. That <laughs> tra- Meaning, if I have to progress through each level, even if. And who wrote this?
4: <laughs> Why do you think we wanted you to read your own own uh, feedback? Uh, audio notes. We're going to actually bleep out most of our so YouTubers names. You you're not no, really
1: right, getting <laughs> out.
3: Totally totally serious. Go 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 YouTube search or bleep Google Dictor Van Dooncock and Yeah, go
1: ahead and do it again so we bleep that again. Good. <laughs> no, no, saying no, he'll he'll
4: out. We'll put it in our show
3: no notes. We'll put it in the show notes. It's, he's got a chicken in his logo, you know, like a chicken. Oh, like sure. A male chicken. And that
1: makes it okay. And that makes it okay. <laughs> yes, it does. Sure.
4: Lawyer, sir.
3: <laughs> it's family friendly. Right. It's a family friendly chicken. <laughs> anyway, um... So which voice am I supposed to use this week? Your here?
1: regular one that you use every week. Your chicken voice.
5: No. I vote chicken voice.
1: I like big booties and I cannot lie.